and um, yeah, I just ask that you would be um, Ellen's uh, just, yeah, all that to her, her life and truth right now in this moment, that um, she would just sense your love and presence um, with her as she brings the word to us. And um, please just still and calm our hearts and minds so we can hear the truth that you have. Thanks in your name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's, it's so good to sing together. I really appreciate the worship team. That's not something that I'm called to do, but I really appreciate people that are so gifted to lead us in that way. All right. Well, as Sydney mentioned, tonight our talk is on battle buddies, helping each other fight the good fight of faith. And I want to just begin with a full disclosure that sisters and friends, tonight I, as much as I can with my 5-1 frame, want to rally us up like a female Braveheart, if you will. I, I don't do war paint. But I want to rally us up as women of God who have been charged to fight the good fight of faith together alongside of each other. And I want to go back for just a few minutes to this idea that we talked about this morning about influencers and that we are influencers in each other's lives. And I want to just ask you, who persuades you the most? What voices in your life are the most attractive and why? I want to go back to just this really great wisdom from Emily Jensen. I quoted from an article uh, that she wrote, um, which is called How Our Good, How Our Good Friends Shape Us or influence us. I've got the link if you, if you need it. But she was talking about, in this article, just the gift, the sweet gift that friendships are, and that we do have a powerful, persuasive influence in each other's lives. But she was talking about just the goodness that we've been celebrating even today. Uh, to celebrate just cooking, gardening, creative things like uh, the artwork we were doing, singing together. I've seen eagle shirts and Philly shirts, just celebrating things like that, enjoying life, but also more serious things like the disappointments in life, in marriage, in your singleness, parenting, grandparenting, uh, the ups and downs of your relationship with God, like struggles that you're having, anger at God. Why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? How long, oh Lord? So friends have a powerful role in each other's lives. But Jensen causes us to pause when she writes, what happens when those same friends encourage us to read books that preach a false gospel or to follow influencers who put a spin on the truth? What happens when we face deep suffering or a hard life decision and those friends give us unbiblical advice? Jensen says, in these cases and more, we need discernment. And she said, we can realize that even though we love our friends and we would rarely share in that feedback loop that I talked about this morning, we'd rarely ever share things with a spirit of malice, but still harm can be done. She says, our friends can actually hinder us from obeying Christ and we can hinder them. Finally, she says, now without being overly suspicious or cynical or contrarian, We can occasionally step back and ask ourselves how our friends influence our decisions and our doctrine. Have you had any family members or friends 
or ministry leaders or some of those social media influencers, even if it was a nano-influencer. Have you had any of these people who loved the Lord, who inspired you in the Lord? Maybe they served alongside of you, and then they rejected biblical faith. Like, I have. I've had several situations like this in all of those categories. And if you've, if you've, if you've experienced that, you know that it is heartbreaking. It, it's disorienting. It's kind of like, what? Like, wait, what happened? And I want to say, you might, you might be in that place tonight as you're at this retreat. Maybe privately in your heart, you're kind of wondering, I don't know if I believe the Bible anymore. I mean, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll keep coming to new life. Like, I'll come to this women's retreat. But you know what? The way God's been doing whatever, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm going to actually remain a Christian the rest of my life. If you're in that place, I just want to say again, you, I am so glad you're here. We want this to be a safe space for honest discussions about the real battles that we have in our faith. That's what tonight is about. And, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And I'm also not going to you know, bring down a hammer. But I am going to share some things from my deep heart because this is something I am very passionate about. Now listen, I'm not talking about reexamining why you believe what you believe. It, diving into God's word or just going to other committed Christ-loyal friends who might be from another pocket of God's people, you know, another stream in the beautiful river of God's people, maybe people that you're not as familiar with or even comfortable with. And I'm not talking about, you know, trying to really wrestle things out. I mean, that can be really fruitful. And to be very honest, I had to do this myself this past year studying 2 Samuel when I was preparing to teach on chapter 13. And the situation with Tamar. Like, I've never had a women's Bible study talk where I cried as much as I did for that talk. When I was angry at God. I even said, you know, Lord, I read this. I understand why people deconstruct. This is hard. Like, I don't get it, Lord. But the Lord brought me through that. So I'm not talking about having that kind of wrestling. Where we just see... This world, and we see how, how difficult it is. I mean, and I know the answers in my head and my heart. Sin really is that bad. It destroys. It's ugly. It breaks lives. It breaks hearts. It can break relationships. It can break countries. Sin is really that bad. I'm not talking about wrestling through honestly, even angrily with God. No. My concern tonight is what Paul was concerned about in 2 Corinthians 11. He was fearful. He was concerned for the Corinthians because they were being influenced by teaching that wasn't in line with God's word. Here's what he says. Listen to his passionate language. He said, Corinthians chapter 11, 1 to 3, I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you, spiritually speaking, as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid, brothers and sisters, that as the devil deceived Eve by his cunning, your what is going to be led astray? Your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You can't get away from this. Paul is consistently passionate about this in his letters to the early church and definitely to his young son in the faith, Timothy, his beloved Philos but also a battle buddy, a fellow fighter in the faith 
for what was good and true and concerned. Paul was very concerned that there were many influencers that were leading people astray, seducing, enticing. And this is actually a key component of spiritual warfare. And when we see it in the New Testament, it's a battle for the truth of the Lord. As I mentioned, he talks about this in so many of his letters. I'm just going to give you a quick sampling from the letter that he wrote to Timothy that we're going to have our main text from tonight. 1 Timothy 1, 5 to 6. Timothy, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. There's certain persons, by swerving from these, they've wandered away into, and your translation might say, vain discussion, fruitless discussion, babbling discussion. I like the King James Version that says, some have departed from these things and turned aside to vain jangling. (laughs) Now, that's a phrase we might start using around new life. Girl, that podcast, what you're saying, that is some vain jangling, VJ. That is a VJ. 1 Timothy 1, 18 to 19. This I charge, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made over you, that by them you may what? You may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. Paul says, Timothy, by rejecting, these, by rejecting these things, some have made shipwreck of their faith. And then finally, 1 Timothy 1, 4, 1 to 2. Now the Spirit expressly says, Timothy, that in later times, some will depart. They will leave. They will withdraw from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. In all these passages, the language that Paul is using is military language. It really is like battle, combat type language, but it's always in the context of a larger, longer war. Now, why this for a retreat on friendship? This is vital, sisters, in light of what we talked about earlier today of remaining faithfully in the Lord. Abiding in his word, abiding in his love, abiding in his commands. And so this is vital for us in light of our relationships. Annie said, I want to have a retreat on gospel friendships. Gospel friendships are committed to keeping the gospel central in them. And it might not be common at women's retreats to talk about being soldiers on a battlefield, which I think is really tragic. Why? Well, I I think it is, as they say, shooting ourselves in our little feetsies. Because the Christian life on earth is lived out in the context of spiritual warfare. As Paul wrote in Ephesians 6.10, Brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Deep breaths. Are you thinking, this is intense, Ellen. Those s'mores can't come soon enough tonight. (laughs) They're coming. But I'm hoping so much that as we address this, that for some of you, as we talk through this, that maybe it's actually going to bring some clarifying insight 
maybe some peaceful relief as we shine the light on why there may be areas of your life that feel just convoluted, like complicated. They're confusing. You can't figure it out. You've prayed. You've talked to people, but something is just off and you're stuck. I had a situation that spanned many years. It related to a, cluster, a relationship cluster. It wasn't a part of new life. It was outside of new life. But it was something where I was in it for a little bit, but then I was really on the periphery. And there was just different things going on. I'm not going to get into the details, but there was something about this situation that just felt dark. And it was convoluted. Lots of conversations I had with people. And as I, as I tried to figure it out, I just couldn't. Like I said, I, I felt stuck. Well, last summer, the Lord brought a breakthrough in this situation as I finally discerned several lies and deceptions that I had been influenced by, including what I had thought was self-sacrifice in a part of this had actually been self-sabotage. And as somebody that is kind of an empath that is, you know, involved in caring for people, that was something that I, I, the Lord knew I needed a sifting. I needed some pruning to grow more in my discernment. And the Lord brought clarity how? By talking to him, going to his word, even talking it through with my, with a counselor for a season, talking it through with my kind of spiritual formation director. But key was walking it out in the light with my battle buddies who knew me in it, who prayed for me in it. And the Lord just brought clarity and brought so much freedom. And there's really just been a release from what had been happening. And I just say, what a promise that the Lord Jesus has given to us when he says, you shall know me and my truth and the truth will set you free. And we have a key role in speaking in that truth to each other for freedom's sake. So our key passage tonight, it's in your, your um, retreat booklet, is 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 14. And I'm going to read it for us, and then we're going to explore what Paul is talking about with fight the good fight of faith. And we're going to make application to how can this be woven into our relationships with each other. So let's read 1 Timothy 6, starting in 11. Timothy, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, man. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you, Timothy, in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing. As I just mentioned, Paul was a servant of Jesus, and he was concerned not only for Timothy, but for all the churches who were being influenced by false teachers who promoted lies and deceptions, and people were being seduced. Think about that language. People were being seduced away from their devotion to Jesus. And in the New Testament, that process, there's different phrases that are used, things like 
our minds being seduced, our faith being shipwrecked because our faith has swerved from God's truth. And there's sadness for Paul. There's loss as once trusted companions with whom he had shared life and ministry for Jesus' sake have his words departed, gone out from among us. They believe no longer. So I want to walk us through verses 11 and 12 and just see what is Paul talking about and try to uh, apply it to our context. Verse 11, but you women of God flee. That means run for your life, seek safety, escape danger, flee from these things. What things? Well, we got to go back to the beginning of this letter in chapter 1 where Paul says in verse 5, our aim is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. He's saying flee anything that gets in the way of these. Anything that might distract or derail you from your closeness with Jesus, from holding on to biblical faith, from finishing this race, this faith race. But he doesn't just say flee. He says run after. He says pursue, go after, run hard after what? Basically the fruits of the Holy Spirit. This is John 15 kind of being applied. He's saying, Timothy, here's what you got to do. You got to run in the direction of anything that's going to cultivate righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. He says, join yourself to people who are running in that same direction. Stay with them. Find your running buddies and stay in tandem with them. And then Paul does say, fight, which means to contend for, to engage a battle, to strive for. But what are we to strive for? What are we to fight for? He says it plainly as he says, as he did in chapter one, fight for the good or it means beautiful, worthy fight of faith. Paul is saying to Timothy and all branches, all who are in Christ, it's like, hey, you've got a struggle to face. Don't run away from it, but run from anything or anyone that might distract you, that might hijack, hijack the devotion of your heart. And finally, verse 12, he says, take hold of the eternal life that is your confession of faith. And I want to just kind of help us. This helps me is that our taking hold of our faith, that's not separate from fleeing, pursuing, and fighting. These are all kind of woven together. And in a sermon on this passage called Fight the Good Fight, I would really encourage you to listen to this. Ron Lutz, this is from like 2016. He says, here, Paul is telling Timothy to fasten himself to Christ. Now, that's, that should remind us of something from this morning. Ron says, fasten yourself to Christ. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. And what Ron is getting at is what we talked about this morning is we fight from victory because we are in Christ. We don't fight with our own power. We don't have to find courage within ourselves. We have to draw on what Christ has given to us. And so... As we continue on tonight, let's just say it again. Our friendships with each other have a key role in helping us live out these exhortations that Paul is giving. So now what I want to do with the majority of the rest of our time is I'm going to pivot. 
And I'm going to share with you four of the many lessons that I've learned from some of these military documentaries that I've watched. And the movies I've watched about warfare and about being in battle together. Number one, soldiers need initial training and ongoing exercise to stay fit for the battle. Soldiers need initial training and ongoing exercise to stay fit for the battle. An untrained new recruit can be naive, unprepared. And that doesn't only put them in danger, but it also puts the rest of their, uh, the rest of their sol- the soldiers, including veterans, it, it puts them in danger. Some of you might have read or seen the movie based on the book, All Quiet on the Western Front. This is historical fiction. It's set in World War I, and it follows the life of an idealistic young German man named Paul Balmer. He enlists with bravado and yelling and cheering with three of his buddies. These are just young guys, and they want to be heroes. They want to join the effort, and so they enlist, and with much, you know, um, again, just bravado, they head in to the battle and are sent to the front lines with close to zero training. And towards the beginning of their battle, as they are now facing the horrors of what war is, there's a, and this is tr- uh, World War I was trench warfare. So they would dig out these trenches and they fought, fought from those trenches. Well, in this scene, one of these buddies of Paul. He's just in the trench and he's trembling. Is you know, uh, bombs and uh, whatever they did in the war. <laughs> Listen, I don't know everything, okay? So give me a little break here, okay? There was a lot of fire in the air, <laughs> um, but it's 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 scary. It's frightening. And one of these buddies is is in the trench with Paul, and he's just trembling with fear, and he says. Somehow this, this, isn't, this isn't how I imagined it. He said, Paul, my, my mom said, now you be careful what you eat out there. That's what she said to me. Be careful what you eat. <laughs> and he is shot pretty quickly after that. He had no idea what he was getting involved in. And not too long after that, Paul is in the midst of that warfare. He doesn't know how to handle a gun. So he peeks up out of the trench, he fires, and he ducks back down. And then he immediately pops back up to fire again. But before he can do that, a bullet ricochets off of his head. He startled, he drops back down. And the veteran over here says, they saw the, they saw the musket of your rifle. Shine, they saw that shining. So you can't do that. You've got to shoot, move, cover. Shoot, move, cover. Paul had no idea what he was doing. We need battle buddies to help us know what we're doing in the Christian life. We need to give each other a realistic, Christ-fueled realism about the Christian life. That there is joy, there is goodness. But Christ calls us to die to self. Warfare does come. We've got to help each other know how to study and reflect upon God's word. Um, how to be soaked in God's word. We, I think our church... Um, has such a beautiful tradition of that or habits of that, commitments to that. We need battle buddies to prepare us and to walk with us, to help us grow, to know how to exercise by faith the armor of God so that we are fully fitted with the shoes of peace, 
with the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. But when you're a new recruit, you're like, oh, you know. No, we help each other. So number one, we need ongoing training and exercise. Number two, soldiers can become enamored with the enemy and they lose focus. Imagine if a soldier on the battlefield found a fancy, schmancy, pretty-looking, undetonated grenade of the enemy. Like, this is cool. And they pick it up, put it in their pocket, like, I'm going to bring this home with me. They're kind of caressing it, guarding it. Stephen Ambrose's book, The Band of Brothers, which was made into a series, tells a story of a group of just kind of rough-and-tumble guys that all joined the 101st Airborne Parachute Division. It was called Easy Company. And they played a significant role in World War II. But what draws people to their story, myself included, is that in their military training and their combat, they learned selflessness and found the closest brotherhood that they ever knew. Even into their 80s and 90s, these men were saying, I've never had a brotherhood like these men. And they've all passed away. But they made mistakes, too. In the horrible fighting that happened in the, around the time you might know of the Battle of the Bulge, it was near Bastogne, um, one of these guys in Easy Company, his name was Don Hubler, he shot and killed a German soldier and took his German Luger gun, which this guy, Hubler, that was... He was committed to find one of these and bring it back to the States. He'd promised to give this gun to his brother. And he was so excited about this. He was like waving it around and just bragging to his buddies. And they were like, you know, Don, you need to calm down. Like, be careful here. He didn't listen to them. And somehow, holding it in his hand, it accidentally fired off. A bullet went into his leg, hit a main artery, and within minutes, he bled to death. But his buddies had been saying, Don, calm down. But he loved that gun too much. And so, sisters, I I do want to say to you, we all need a friend, and and best and wisest at least a few friends to whom we've taken the initiative that we've said, I need you to come after me if you see me starting to veer. If you hear some vain jangling coming out of my mouth. We need women, it could be guys, it could be couples, to whom, as one of my friends says, that we've given meddling rights in our life. Or as Tim Keller would say, who has a hunting license in your life? People that are with humility and courage, they're going to come after us and say, run away, don't dabble, don't nibble here, spit it out, you know, Throw a gospel grenade on that. That might be another little new life thing. (laughs) Gospel grenade! That will get me kicked out of sister care. (laughs) Gee, what's that sister care about? But do, if you don't have people in in, in your life like that, then your first step maybe is just to pray. Come, come to one of us. Come to one of the people that you is, you know, your group leader or somebody here and say, I don't even know what kind of a person I would look for to do that. We'll help you. We'll coach you. We'll help recruit you. I've needed help. And how have I learned about that? Ups and downs, mistakes, 
Um, but I'll say this. We need to take the initiative because what do we do when we ask people to come after us? Maybe they get busy or they're not following up. Like I've done this in the past. Like, well, they didn't ask me, so I guess I'll just... No, we've got to take the initiative. And I've got friends in my life who I have to take the I take the initiative with. And I'll out myself, like, I did this again. I crossed that boundary again. I blew it on this commitment again. I keep myself in the light as soon as I can. Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Ephesians 4, 15. As we speak the truth in love, we're going to grow up in every way more into Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Number three. Soldiers know that they can't win the battle alone. And you know, sometimes, talk about Paul's fear of false teachers, sometimes we become false teachers to ourselves. We, fi- we try to figure everything out on our own, a one-on-one dialogue with our own thoughts. A more recent documentary I watched, and I really do watch other things, like The Crown, <laughs> Jane Austen. I'm not, you don't don't have to be worried about me. I'm not, you know, every Saturday night, like, oh, what's the docu I'm going to watch now about World War II? But a more recent one is called The Lost Airmen of Buchenwald. This tells the story of Allied airmen who were from several countries. They were all captured together towards the end of World War II, and they were placed in Buchenwald concentration camp, which held 45,000 people. But what enabled a lot of this group of men to survive, and they all said the same thing, it was that they had each other and they were able to communicate with each other because they were all English speakers. They knew that if somebody was down or depressed, one of the guys was going to lift them up. And they knew if they saw somebody else down, they needed to go and lift them up as well. They knew they couldn't make it on their own. And we talked about this earlier, but I'm going to say it again, is that with all of the you plurals in the New Testament, and you know, that's more difficult for us because our English translations doesn't say yous, guys, y'all, yins. It just says you. But in the New Testament, most of these yous are you plural. And it is just impossible to make a case for trying to live the Christian life on our own, sisters. We're not created to do that. We are branches planted alongside of each other. We're united to the risen Jesus, the living word, who helps us speak truth, communicate to each other, a word of comfort, a word of challenge, a word of hope. Or maybe not speaking a whole lot of words, but just being a presence to somebody when they're down. Finally, active combat can have traumatic impact, PTSD. It's been pretty, pretty recent in history that we've become aware of and able to put words on the impact of traumatic events such as combat, abuse, marriage betrayal, and so much more. And in a therapeutic world, there's been a lot of strides made in knowing how to helpfully come alongside those who are suffering post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, after 9-11, some of you maybe have heard about this, there was a new initiative that developed called the Wounded Warrior Project. 
because caregivers were starting to just learn that as soldiers were returning home from Afghanistan and probably other places, those that were returning home from active combat, that they not only had life-altering physical wounds, but many were, and I quote, left with lasting invisible wounds, including depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and debilitating brain trauma. And sisters, friends, philas, branches, there are so many invisible wounds in our midst. Unknown, unknown. Women with invisible heartbreaks from the past and the present that are having a profound impact on who they are today, how they present today. I heard a proverb many years ago. It wasn't from the Bible, but it just said, feelings are everywhere, so be gentle. So if we want to fight the good fight of faith along others, we need to remember that all of us here today have a backstory that has shaped us today. We all have a history before we came to new life, before we came to the Bible study, before we came to this retreat, like years, decades, that has shaped who we are today. And some of that has been traumatic. I remember a woman I was getting to know in St. Louis. That's my hometown. And she just seemed kind of aloof, you know, vain. She wasn't very interested in me, that was for sure, talking to me. And I just thought, you know, being a false teacher to myself, well, fine. You know, I don't need to pursue her. I mean, she's not really that available anyway. She's not really that interested to be around me. I mean, she's kind of proud. Then she shared at some point how she was very shy and insecure. And then I got to know more as time went along how she had a pretty unsafe home growing up. And she was pretty skittish around new people. Wow. I had really misinterpreted her. I was truly judging the branch book by the cover. I've got, I've got three friends right now in particular who are just walking through multifaceted suffering. I'm sure I don't even know the all of, most of it. I don't know chunks of it. And probably the majority of the people in their lives don't even know the half of it. There's been depression, so much loss, God being silent. What are you doing, God? Where are you, God? Darkness. Now, all three are, are pressing into Jesus. And I tell you, I, I've learned a lot from them. And I will tell you, I have missed them so many times. I've sung songs when their hearts were hurting. I've maybe offered a bad example of the gospel grenade of, here's a verse. Well, you do know, right? I mean, bleh. no. And they've loved me enough to help me see my blind spots. Like, no, L. That's not what I need right now. Proverbs 20, verse 5. The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. Takes time to know each other's stories. But might we grow in being women that take that time, one by one, step by step. We're not talking about something that you need to go out and be overwhelmed. One by one, question, curious question after curious question, and listen and learn. A few more thoughts and we're going to close up. And then we'll get to talk about this for a little bit in our small groups. And I hope it's obvious by now 
why I think that battle buddies are crucial. But give me three more attempts if you're not convinced. One, we are in a faith war, and it's not going to end until we die or Christ comes back. We are under attack and assault with various types of battles. As we face enemies, a sinful world, our own sinful hearts, the, the schemes of the enemy to deceive us with things that aren't true, with deceptions. Remember, the core of spiritual warfare is an enticement and persuasion to believe lies and to live as if those deceptions are true, to settle at home with sin, to be led astray from our devotion to Jesus. Number two, there's a lot at stake here. When we consider so many scriptural admonitions to be steadfast, to not waver, to not shrink back, to not swerve from the gospel into a shipwreck, I mean, we're all tempted, I'm tempted, to be lazy, to be fearful, and to be self-protective when it comes from, to friendship. We all are. I mean, can we normalize that as a temptation common to all of us? But sisters, I want to finish well. I don't want to be a shipwreck. I am a ministry leader. I have some kind of a public presence. I don't want a letter going out saying, Ellen Dykus has been removed from ministry for conduct unbecoming to a ministry leader. That could happen. How? Dabble, step. No, I want to finish like Paul did. As he says years later in his second letter to Timothy, he says, Timothy, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I'm I'm going to Jesus. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who have loved his appearing. Sisters, I want to finish well. I want you to finish well. I've dabbled with temptations. I've hidden sin. There have been a couple situations over the last 16 years at Harvest. Had I not gone beyond a nibble or a dabbling of sin, it could have derailed me. And I I bet we all have those kind of stories. But by God's severe, severe, intrusive, interruptive mercy, which please keep doing that, Lord, he's kept me on a trajectory of growth and longing for the light. That's not my natural bent. Our natural state is we want to hide. It's supernatural to walk in the light. I can't do that without my battle buddies. I need, I need the body of Christ. And finally... To bring all this together, and I love the songs that Sydney led us in, these battles are meant to draw us closer to God. They're an invitation from the Lord. They're an invitation to draw near to him, the captain of the host. So we've seen in our study of 1 Samuel, we've seen Hannah, we've seen David and others cry out to who? The Lord of hosts. And that's the name for God that represents that he is overseeing this world and he's always ready to come to the rescue of his people we have the greatest commander jesus he's laid down his life for us so when we're wounded on the battle we say medic he's there when we're scared on the front line saying this isn't what i thought the christian life was this isn't what i thought marriage would be this isn't what i thought widowhood would be this isn't what i thought parenting would be he's there when we're hopeless alone stuck He's communicating to us. He's talking to us. When we don't sense him, when he seems silent, 
He's got his people here. They're going to speak on his behalf. Or again, just be present with us, representing Jesus. That's what we're called to do, to be branches, to be philos friends to each other, to be battle buddies with each other. We don't do this in our own power. We do it because of our risen Lord Jesus who dwells within us. And so I want to pray for us, and then we'll get to go to our small groups and just listen to each other and and pray for each other. Let's pray. And so, Lord, we praise you that you have gone before us. You finished, Lord, and you are sitting in heaven at the right hand of God, interceding for us, Lord Jesus. When we don't even know what to say, when we don't even want to talk to you, you're interceding. Father, protect them. Father, accomplish your will in their lives. Spirit, give them comfort. Spirit, give them wisdom. Guide them into all truth. Oh, Lord, I I pray. I pray that you will protect us and strengthen us. Keep us on the path of truth and goodness and life. And help us to stay on that path. Give us courage to come after each other. Give us humility when people come after us to stop, pause, and listen. So, Lord, I I love you. I love these women. I love this church family. And I pray as we go into our groups now that you would just give us some honest conversation with each other. Spur us on, Lord, through each other for your glory and that we would be women of whom it will be said. She finished the fight. She ran her race. And she's home now with the Lord. May you do that, Lord Jesus. Amen.